You're listening to Creative Capes by Future London Academy. Honest conversations with designers, entrepreneurs and innovators. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Hello, 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 hello dear futurist design thinkers and creative people around the world. I'm Ekaterina from Future London Academy and welcome to another conversation today with another wonderful creative person. So today I will be joined by Apova Baxi, the co-founder of Dixon Baxi. And let me connect with him and we can start talking about the world of branding, running your own branding agency for more than 18 years and all things design leadership. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thanks. Nice to, uh, nice to be here. Uh, brilliant. Well, uh, let me actually start from the very beginning. And I want to know your story of how did it all start? When, how, where did you grow up? How did you grow up? How did you understand that you want to be a creative person in the first place? Okay, wow. Uh, all right, I'll have to... Um set the uh, clock back quite a few years uh, in the midst of time. So um, I, gu- I guess um, just for context, I was actually born in India, um, in, in Gujarat, um, but my folks moved to the UK when I was two. So essentially I've, I've spent all my life in the UK. Um, I grew up in South London uh, and then North London. So I, I genuinely am a, a Londoner, but um, you know, uh, through, the, through the years, that's become uh, one with a, a very strong worldview. Um, but I guess my creative journey began, um, let me think. I mean, look, back at school, like every kid, I used to draw. Uh, to be honest, I used to draw cars, maybe like um, every young boy. Uh, but there was a certain kind of um, sense that I had that I just enjoyed that side of things, that creative energy and and i was always drawn to classes and so on um with anything creative happening but i guess you know fast forwarding to when i was uh maybe 10 or 11 um uh, my uncle uh took me to see a movie in marble arch which is uh in in london and uh i really didn't know what the film was about or anything but it's a film that probably a lot of you know called tron um you know kind of uh in 1982 uh, and uh, it was really, yeah, it's been iconic for VFX um, you know, community for a long time, and it kind of set some amazing precedents. But at the time, you know, being a 10-year-old, I really didn't quite understand what was happening, but I always remember that as one of those totemic anchors. Um, and, and to be honest, I guess that, that lived me, with me. There was something about that that I felt uh, resonated. And as, as a 10-year-old, I couldn't really describe what that was. Um, but then I, I guess fast forwarding to uh, when I was, uh, I, I guess, 16, 17, you know, I was always drawn to um, the art class and, and all of the things that that, that provided. And, and I just knew that there was this creative outlet that was really inspiring for me, you know. Um, but back then, uh, the industry was just not the same as it is now. You know, we all know about um, you know, creativity, uh, it's talked about all the time, the power of design is, is very much resonant. Um, and it was there, I guess, but not necessarily in schools and so on. So I didn't really know that there was an industry of graphic designers and, and, and what that meant. And certainly this was before the Mac and, and all, all that good stuff. Um, so, uh, but anyway, that, that led me to kind of just pursuing this thread, this kind of inkling that there was something creative that I wanted to pursue, which led me to 
um, uh, I guess, uh, college and then university. And, and I guess it was that formative period um, where I started to really understand that, um, you know, design and specifically graphic design was something that I was drawn to. So I, I kind of went to college and, and um, I, I don't know, there are probably many people with uh, parents that want their kids to move into being uh, a business person or a, a doctor or any of those kind of activities and my parents Proper were a little bit exactly uh, my parents were a little bit aghast um, uh, that uh, I would choose something in this direction and and so you know I, I guess that was something that I felt strongly about and it's it's something that's driven me that kind of a, a, an energy to to go after that so I went to um, a university called uh, Middlesex University uh, again in the north of London um, and that was really a formative period for me where I, I did what's called a foundation course where you just kind of explore everything from uh, ceramics to 3D to uh, graphic design and all of those things. And, and it was really at that time that I started to realize um, that I just was drawn to the craft of design um, and all of the things that that, that brought. And and really, it was a combination of things. You know, my parents always took me to see really amazing films. I was steeped in and lucky enough to, to travel. My, my dad particularly took us across Europe and, and in other parts of the world. So it was all part of, of that kind of makeup um, that drove me to that. And, and I guess that brought me to um, a visual communications degree, uh, which, uh, which was kind of a three-year-long uh, course with a focus on graphic design and, and uh, craft and typography and all of those things. And to be honest, again, this was, uh, which seems crazy to say now, but it was the cusp of uh, having the Mac classics uh, in the university. So, uh, you know, we all had to kind of get around those and start using uh, the original Mac with, I think it was uh, possibly freehand 1.0. Uh, so well beyond, before uh, anything that we have now. Uh, but that, that's kind of the, the arc of my journey. So I, I guess it was rooted in, in film and certainly that pivot point of, of Tron and uh, again, 2001, which coincidentally is um, a poster behind me, which we kind of carry on to this day. I love it. And I love the reference of Tron because I actually rewatched it recently and it still looks amazing. And I think that's the power of great design and great graphics when you come up with something that is just brilliant it, it it stands the 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 time and it, it's amazing uh yeah. have you, have you uh, watched it many times since then I, I, countless times you know uh those that know me and have worked with me over the the years are uh, probably rolling their eyes because I, i've used it as a reference uh many <laughs> times yeah I, i've obviously evolved from there but it, there is something rooted in that i think it was pioneering it was uh design based uh, i think the concept art is sid mead who unfortunately has passed away uh, recently, but he, you know, was, was groundbreaking. Everything about that film tried to do something that was groundbreaking. And, and, and I guess those are the values that uh, we hold dear here. And, and, and yeah, I, I definitely go back and, and watch it. And of course, you know, maybe it's not the best film, but it just looks amazing. It does, it definitely. On, on the visual side, I think they, they definitely Absolutely. did uh, an amazing job. So um, you got inspired to do creative work and you started to do creative work, which seems like a very logical thing to do. I can imagine sure. it was hard to explain your parents why you're doing creative work and how you're going to earn money. I definitely struggled Absolutely. with that explanation. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, what, uh, I suppose, what, did you know what kind of job you will do? Like, did you think you'll work in movies? Did you think you'll be a brand designer? Did you have any idea what you would do? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I guess it, at uni, you know, it was a great space to just try stuff, right? It, it was kind of an open-ended exploration, which is, uh, I guess, what all formative um, kind of experiences should be. Um, I guess coming out of university, I, it was such a focused course in the sense it was focused on graphic design and so on. And I knew I wanted to, I had a drive to want to make things in the real world, to, to actually um, you know, have something printed, uh, smell the ink, you know, all of those things that uh, you, you just may not uh, get to do uh, at university. So I... Um, I kind of went at it straight out. I, I, I uh, knew and, and, you know, we were big fans of some amazing kind of design companies back then, you know, the Designers Republic and, and uh, um, Octavo. Uh, uh, the, there were just, 8VO, sorry. Um, there were just some amazing businesses that were really resonant. So what, what I did was I actually um, uh, created a CV on a piece of paper, <laughs> as you might do, folded it up and I hand delivered it to all of the agencies in London that I felt um, that I admired. Uh, so that was just a way of simply introducing myself uh, to just seeing what their studio was like, to, to see if I could kind of just uh, charm my way into a discussion with one of the lead creatives. And, and I was just really interested in meeting people. Um, and it felt like the best way of doing it obviously you know I sent letters and, and, and did all of that but I was quite clear that I wanted to work in a, a, a graphic design business you know um, and to be honest actually uh, I don't think back then we necessarily talked about brand in the same way that we might do now uh, of course we're familiar with them but it was very much graphic design so I, I went to companies big and small uh, and, and just uh, tried to meet different uh, creatives. And, and that was, a, uh, I guess, a great way to, to start um, that relationship with the real world. And you worked across the world as well during that time. You worked in Sydney, New York, and in London. Um, did you feel like there was a difference in the way the industry works in different countries or the way creative processes or any sort of, um, I suppose, creative differences that you notice by being in different places? Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I began my career in, in London. You know, I did some internships um, at, at a couple of really interesting uh, places. Uh, one Saatchi and Saatchi, another one Michael Peters. And then I, uh, I joined um, a kind of fast growing uh, company in London where I met Simon, my business partner, uh, Simon Dixon. And um, yeah, that, that time in th those cities that you mentioned were massively eye opening. I was in kind of my mid to early uh, late 20s. Uh, and to work in New York, San Francisco, Sydney, uh, you know, in a time of just unbridled creativity w was amazing. And, and yeah, absolutely. All of those cities have um, a different pace, a different energy, you know, that the people see the world slightly differently. And I, I've got to say that they all have their own um, kind of beat and cadence. Uh, and, and rhythm and, and certainly being that young uh, thrown into different creative situations that I wasn't equipped for 
um, was usually exciting. But, you know, being in, in Sydney, uh, being able to walk down to the harbour, um, you know, having an office that, that overlooked um, and being part of the studio that overlooked the city and just being surrounded by young creatives trying to make really cool stuff was really exciting. So Sydney um, was my first kind of stop away from London. Um, and, and that was just uh, just the kind of vibe, the, uh, the outdoor energy, the sense of light, you know, um, I love photography anyway, but just the, the way things look and feel. And of course, you know, the, the, the heat in summer is, is something you just don't get in, uh, in, in the UK as often. Um, and, and just that energy was really interesting. And, and I, I've got to say, though, in contrast, New York, you know, it's a live wire. It's, it's such a spirited city. You know, I felt very comfortable in New York and, and really enjoyed that. And San Francisco, in contrast, again, um, has, uh, again, a, a different West Coast attitude and feel. So I've got to say, you know, between, between those three, that they're all favorites. I guess the thing I, I've learned was just being open to different experiences and, and trying to pack those in and, and lucky enough to have uh, enjoyed those at a young age really kind of opened my eyes to the possibility of creativity. Uh, what would you say makes London different now that you know all the other places? What would make London? The, because I personally think London is the best and I haven't been to sure. Sydney. I've been to New York. Uh, and I, for me personally, I feel like it has, London has all the ingredients for kind of inspiration, creativity, diversity, a bit of weirdness, uh, quirkiness and all of that. So what, what do you feel like London makes special for you? I've got to say all those. Uh, I mean, out of all the cities, you know, this is, this is home uh, and has been for, for many years. So I, I just think it's that, it's that combination and, and kind of the, the maelstrom and, and chaos of uh, all of those ambitions, you know, the, the, the creative spirit, uh, the entrepreneurial quality, the, um, the craft, the, uh, the, the value of, of design, you know, the, um, and I think it's, to be honest, actually, it's, it's just a blend of people, you know, that the kind of multicultural aspect adds um, a life and an energy. And I think, you know, it's, it's certainly changed over the last 20 years, but it's always had a, you know, um, a spirit uh, that feels very uh, individual, idiosyncratic, uh, there's a quirkiness, um, and I think, to be honest, those things should be celebrated and amplified, you know, uh, certainly as we try and find things that are original, you know, in a world where everyone sees everything, uh, how do you separate and find individuality? Uh, I think we have to tap into uh, maybe the spirit of the city or the spirit of the people that are here from all over the world. Do you think design should reflect where it was made or who it was made by, especially because you also have different heritage. I always feel because I was born in Russia, I always feel like mm. probably that definitely influences the way I see the world and I see creativity. Do you feel like especially working in a design agency that potentially is not yours, you're just a senior designer, creative director, would you say you should put part of your pers personality or the city that this design is made on in into the project or how do you see those? Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think as any creative, you know, it's um, if you love what you do, you know, that passion is, is going to come out. And I think, you know, if you're going to be successful, certainly in, in this role, it has to be driven by a passion. We always talk about having that kind of energy inside you, the fire and the hunger. 
to do that. So I, I would say that, um, yes, that the answer is that it's a, it's a creative endeavor, although in a sense we're commercial artists, there is um, a piece of you that you put into the work. Now, we try and um, democratize that so no one feels like they have 100% ownership. It's a shared team ownership for us. Uh, but I know some designers, you know, they pour everything into it. And, and I, I wholeheartedly get behind that. But equally, um, you know, we're doing it for clients and ultimately an audience as well. And so I think, well, what we talk about here is that we have to instill our values, you know, our threshold for quality, you know, the, the need to be brave and do something different. But also, how do you find something that's true to that brand or business? Um, how do you find something that people who use it or are fans of it feel excited about and something they can own? Because almost you're kind of handing it, you're passing the baton on to them. Um, and, and, and yeah, sure, you know, that the city that you're in, uh, your background, all of those things are going to have influences. And I think that's what um, makes an amazing, amazing agency or group of people is the perspectives. But hopefully you're all kind of aligning uh, those perspectives to create something greater than the sum of those. Uh, so I, I think it's a bit of both. Sure, put yourself into it 110 uh, percent, but also think about who you're doing it for and, and, and why. And we talked a lot about that when we, we did the work with AC Milan, you know, it's 120 years of heritage. It's a huge responsibility. I mean, a dream project for sure. Uh, but we have to think about the 400 million fans in the world. You know, we don't, we don't want to upset them, but we want to, we want to take that heritage and, and transport it to the future. So we have to bring ourselves on that journey, but we have to be part of that journey and we have to, create something that the fans ultimately feel proud of and, and feel that we've respected what they love, you know? Yep, I totally agree with that. And I think the more diverse your studio is, your city is, your play, wherever you are, I think the more perspectives you get and the more inspiration you get and the richer 100%. the projects become for sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about how the Dixon Baxi started because you sure. had this career of traveling around the world doing great projects and you met Simon. So first of all, when was the first time you met Simon? Do you remember what, where was it? And what did you think of him? <laughs> Good question. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I've, I've known Simon, I, I met him almost uh, 25 years ago. So a long time. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, we, we kind of joke, it's the kind of other marriage we have. We're obviously married to our wives, but you know, it's, I've known him for a very long time. And uh, I certainly do remember when we met. Um, funnily enough, it was in my uh, hometown in Harrow in London. Uh, I went to see him uh, for an interview, actually, at um, you know, the agency he was working at. And our first meeting w wasn't an interview. It just ended up being a chat like this, like the one we're having. And it was really about design and craft. And we just started having a sort of a conversation about all sorts of things. And, and to be honest, actually, it was very much led by our love of film. Um, I talked about Tron, but, you know, we also talked about 2001, A Space Odyssey. We, we talked about storytelling and, and all sorts of things. And, and, and really, it was um, almost a meeting of minds. You know, we, we were just hungry for creativity. We uh, had an easygoing kind of conversation and, and, and what was supposed to be maybe a 30 minute chat turned into a two hour, 
long conversation. And that, that's how I met Simon. And, and, and I guess uh, what, what I thought of him was uh, simply that, wow, you know, someone kind of likes the same stuff I do, you know, is really into these kind of geeky things and, and is also kind of part of um, a, a creative community that, that wants to or wanted to do just cool stuff. You know, almost you didn't even know, certainly I didn't know at that age coming out of uni what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to just make things. And um, I thought that there was something really exciting about that conversation. So how did then this conversation led you to becoming business partners and starting an agency, especially because I assume you had quite a nice job. So what made you sure. make that leap from having a salary to actually making your own salary? It's a big leap, actually. I mean, you know, so the, the journey we spoke about, you know, London, New York, San Francisco, Sydney, Simon did a, a similar one. You know, uh, we by the end of our tenure, you know, I, I'd, I'd been with this agency for about seven years, Simon, maybe eight or nine. You know, we were creative directors at a very young age, um, you know, uh, dealing with not only teams, uh, uh, large scale projects for, you know, Nike, Levi's, uh, Ford and so on, some really large scale stuff that, that challenged us. We'd move from, I guess, graphic designers to dealing with uh, motion, storytelling, commercial film directors, and just throwing ourselves into all, all of this. And it really changed our, our world view. And we'd, we'd always hungered for, for continuing our, our proximity to the creative craft. And uh, even at a young age, I mean, that journey took us to uh, sitting on uh, board, you know, as board directors, thinking about business and sales and growth and, and all of this. And, and by that point, you know, the, the company was um, 200 people, five studios, and, and we were part of that, that story. And, and a very, um, you know, enjoyable time that was with uh, some, some great leaders in that business. But there came a point, uh, it was around 2001, uh, coincidentally, it seems to be a a tipping point for us for all sorts of reasons. We just felt the urge in, uh, to do something different, that we had to maybe chart our own kind of future. Uh, and it was really a question that Simon asked me, you know, our time together was really in, in, in the same studio for probably about 12 months. And the rest of the time we were running our own studios, but we'd always kept a a kind of almost a friendly competition creatively. We kind of drove each other to the next thing, you know. Um, so that was always there. And I think we always felt that we could have a higher level conversation. So si Simon was very keen to do the next thing and, and um, you know, said, do I want to kind of join him on that journey? And, and so, uh, as you say, you know, I was in a fantastic position in New York, a creative director um, working on some really sizable projects fantastic salary, all the things that come with that. But it was uh, a pivot point, you know, and I'm sure people have this in their lives where you kind of go, look, it's, do I stay on this track or is there, a, do I do this other thing? And the other thing always feels like an opportunity. I, I always see that in things, you know, it's kind of positive opportunity. And if I don't do it, I'm going to kick myself. Or if I don't do it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily be able to define what next. So that was our tipping point. You know, we said, right, we're going to start a business. Uh, I'm going to move back to London. Uh, we're going to kind of collapse down from uh, running a studio and, 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 and working on all sorts of things to being just two. 
Uh, and we made a decision actually to focus the business around creativity and um, some very clear values that we believed were important to a, a creative agency. So, so it was as simple as that. You know, we, we, we kind of set our goals, ambition, um, and, and we began. What did your parents say that you want to quit a stable job and start your own? <laughs> uh, they, you know what, they were really supportive. By that point, you know, that they were completely convinced that there's a, there's a career in this. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just being um, uh, kind of an artist searching for work, you know, uh, it's, there's a kind of commercial enterprise and so on. I think they were, they were excited by it. Of course, you know, they're, they're nervous, is it going to work, all of those things. But it's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's the best decision I, I've made, you know, uh, in charting this course. And, and to be honest, at that point, you just got to do what you believe. You know, you have to, starting a business isn't someone else's decision, it's yours. And you have to own it 110%. So by that point, you know, getting their blessing is, is spot on. Uh, but equally, I would have done it regardless. So how was it starting the company and what did the first year look like? Because, I mean, having an idea and getting excited and starting something sounds good. And you had obviously a lot of experience of running sure. creative teams and you were part of the business as well. So you saw lots of other things, but when it's suddenly your own, that's a completely different set of challenges. So do you remember kind of what, who was your first client and what kind of things did you focus on for the first year? Sure. Yeah. We, um, we kept it really focused actually. We, um, uh, it, there's kind of two sides to us. We're really, uh, I guess, uh, very progressive, what's next, restless to do the next thing, but we also have a, a pragmatic side, right? So that, that keeps very much focused on, on the business and, 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 and making it work and, and all of those things. But uh, I guess in answer to your question, um, those first uh, months and years was very much focused on a couple of things. One is that we scribble down uh, a set of, uh, I guess, values, the principles, the things we would do and things we wouldn't do. Um, you know, we've, we've posted that on, on social a few times, but they, they still resonate, um, you know, with us now. But they're things like, um, you know, uh, uh, let's just focus on creativity. Let's, um, you know, do the things that, that we love. Let's work directly with clients. Um, you know, all of those things. Let's not uh, work with these types of clients. Let's not do this type of work. And it was a very kind of clear, sort of defining moment. So we had that, and we were very determined. And uh, we were lucky enough that our first client uh, was MTV. So we uh, there's a story in that. Um, we uh, we said actually we weren't gonna we weren't gonna pitch for free. That was kind of another uh, tenant, and we didn't we didn't pitch for free. But we were asked to kind of share some thoughts with them on uh, what the future of MTV2 would look like. So in the UK, uh, as people may know, you know, the MTV is a suite of channels. And back then it was MTV, MTV2, and then uh, MTV Dance, and so on and so forth. And um, we uh, went in, rather than with a PowerPoint or keynote or anything like that, we actually, uh, Cy and I did a painting. We did a nine foot long painting. It was a triptych made up in three things. And really, I guess it was the root of our strategic process, the, the, the reason why we like to understand the audience and so on. So we actually 
drove around Camden, tearing fly posters off, picking up bits of sneakers, you know, a broken Walkman. We're trying to capture the spirit of what it's like uh, to be that audience, a 16-year-old guy in their bedroom listening to rock music. And so the, when we went to see the client, they were like, what is this? They're in their white room in this beautiful MTV uh, office in Camden. And so we, we said, right, OK, clear everything off. And we laid a, a, paint, a, a painting. It was just like this amazing, um, I don't know, chaotic thing that we, we created in Simon's, uh, I think, spare room. And, uh, and that, that was our presentation. And we talked about what it means to be that audience. And they, they were, I think, either confused or excited or one of those things. And, and we ended up getting the, the gig. And that was our first project. And, and even to this day, you know, uh, I would say that that captured a spirit and attitude that we still hold dear, which was almost um, that you, you do it differently. You know, you, you figure out a, a different way of doing things. And when we actually did the work, we uh, we did some crazy things back then. We um, it was a channel kind of at the time. Um, and the whole thing was made in flash. Uh, so not After Effects, so it was all had this kind of glitchy quality. Uh, it was all typographic, uh, so there was no uh, no video. You know, it was all these kind of little interstitials. It was well before Twitter and all of that. So we actually took a statement from, um, I guess, social boards and so on that had ideas like MTV2 makes me want to smoke blue tack, if I remember rightly. So just some random stuff, hundreds of statements that populated that and and really the whole we took the logo off you know it was all about this kind of um deleting the brand and it felt really authentic so that was a brilliant way to start and i guess that led to um a long relationship probably four or five years with uh, mtv we looked at mtv uk we looked at dance and um vh1 and uh yeah, tmf uh, and that really was um a brilliant way to to begin um, Dixon Baxi. Uh, and, and then obviously, you know, successive things happened uh, along the way. Love it. It's such a great story to create a painting. I mean, I, I, I would love to see what it looked like. Did, did you, do you still have it or what happened to the we painting? Do, we, um, they, they, they wanted it. So it ended up in the, um, the president's uh, office. Unfortunately, we, we lost track of it. So, but we do have these very low-res pictures of it that we wheel out from time Aww. to time. But uh, I, I don't know, it's just a, a really nice memory. It just reminds us that we can tell those creative stories differently. Definitely, and I think ditching the PowerPoint is first 100%. step to, to, to any creative speech and understanding how you can convey your ideas in a different format that doesn't involve traditional uh, channels. Um, Absolutely. And it will be also interesting to hear how did your, I suppose, leadership and management changed from being part of a company that you had a team of designers, you, but technically you weren't in charge of, of creative side. You, if the company failed, it wouldn't be your fault. While mm -hmm. now you run your own company and you, you are in charge of, like the, the stakes are higher for everyone. So sure. did you feel like you learned something from that switch of being a creative director in one organization to running your own company? And what were these things that you learned on the way? Well, it's, it's a long journey. I mean, we're, we're approaching our 20th year. Uh, so next year, um, you know, we're, we're going to be 20. Uh, so much celebration to be had then. Uh, 
but I guess a couple of things, you know, when we began, as I said, you know, we focused on, on being two and we were that for quite some time. Um, but there's the pragmatic side of just making sure that, um, you know, we uh, cost jobs properly, uh, cash flow is cash is king. You know, all those basics of running a business uh, are, are really important, right? You have to kind of last the, the, the journey. Uh, but equally, it was a focus on doing great work because great work then fosters more great work and you meet really smart and interesting people. And, and from the outset, uh, one of our ambitions was to work on projects of scale. So from the outset, we really tried to work on those brands that had some cultural impact uh, or um, were present in, in life and um, worked at a scale, you know, had, had impact with people. Now, I'm not saying that the the budgets were always huge, uh, but um, the, that was a real driver for us. So it was really kind of creativity first. Um, but I guess in terms of a journey into, as to how to build that business, we, we kind of went through phases. So the arc was two. Then we started, um, we collaborated with some amazing people, you know, some agencies that have grown into some of the most iconic in the world. You know, we would collaborate in such a way that's very common now but back then you know less so and we work with people all over the world i think that was a a big thing for us you know it could be someone in the states it could be someone in europe someone in russia wherever that there was a uh, great creativity we, we could work with them and then then our arc led to um building a team it was interesting because he had a almost a, a freelance team where we kind of plugged and play you know really talented individuals um, but then that transitioned into uh, a full-time team. And, and, and that, that in itself has been, and it still is, you know, running a business is just the learning, doesn't it? Um, and I think the biggest learning is, is twofold. It's the focus on the craft and the creativity and trying to do great work. There's the client and building a very strong relationship. And to be honest, building trust. Uh, and building that chemistry with the with the clients and the people that are right for us. Not everyone's right for us and vice versa. And then um, I think the biggest ongoing challenge and, and, and something that's really exciting is the empowerment um, and creating a space for a team to grow. And to be honest, it's a bumpy road, right? You have to figure that out. You're not, you don't, you know, we didn't go to management school in the same way. We kind of grew up in a school of hard knocks, just figuring things out. And so, um, you know, you meet amazing people, you learn things from them, you, you may take some U-turns. But I guess it's all of those things that arc towards trying to create a space that we're in now, which is one where we have, you know, a fantastic team, probably the best team ever. Um, and hopefully, you know, they feel that it's a space that they can really uh, create great work. Um, they enjoy coming in when we can come in. You know, and um, it, it's really about that. And I, I think, you know, it's a constant focus, you know, the well-being of the team uh, as much as the work, as much as clients, as much as, you know, the financial pragmatic side of, of maintaining a, a studio in good health. Any particular things that you started doing differently compared to your being a hired creative director to now being the agency owner? I, I, no, I think I think it's both. I mean, for for me, it's uh, there's still that that energy of kind of original creative, you know, doing the next thing, um, finding uh, new stories, working with new clients. You know, we ha we're lucky enough to work with clients all over the world. So, 
um, that's uh, usually empowering and it, it adds value. I think uh, the difference is simply uh, focusing on, on building a business that is uh, hopefully, you know, one of the most creative agencies in the world. And, 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 and that's an, never ending. I wouldn't say we are. I think there's loads of amazing agencies and, and arguably many, many better than, than us. But it's, uh, I think as a, as a business owner, it's, it's trying to foster that environment. And building something that lasts, you know, we really do want to create an agency that has long longevity. And with the work that we do, hopefully, you know, um, our our mission is to use creativity to design a better future. If we can do that with the work that we're doing, then I think that's um, hopefully we add just a little bit of positivity to to the world in some way. Oh, you definitely do. And you can see from everyone who joined this chat, everyone absolutely loves your work. So definitely spreading energy and inspiration across the world. You're delivering on that mission very well. And talking about business partnerships, because you're partners with Simon and you're both very creative people. Traditionally, a lot of agencies are built from one creative person and one more business mind. Wolf Orleans being a great example of Michael Mm -hmm. Wolf being the creative and Wally being the the sales and the business side of things. Uh, How did you split responsibilities and did it create any tension, the fact that you're both creative and who who is doing the business stuff? To be honest, we, we, we share it. In one sense, we're interchangeable, but we're very different at the same time. You're absolutely right. We're kind of I guess our constant energy is creativity. I guess when we were with two back in the day, you know, we, we kind of shared those responsibilities. We, we were almost, uh, I guess, joined at the hip. Um, but really, the way, the way we put it, actually, is that the, the Simon and myself, uh, but it's the space between us that's interesting. You know, I think uh, together we are stronger. And then that space now is occupied by, you know, 38 people in the studio, our clients and so on. So um, there's a couple of answers to your question. I think both being creative is usually empowering for each other because we can kind of really bounce ideas and we are our own kind of self-perpetual creative machine, right? There's always another idea. And I think that's um, a very lucky thing to have, certainly over the last 20 years. Um, the, the other side of it is that the business and pragmatic, and we, we both kind of oscillate on that. I think, you know, Simon's got a, a very strong um, business acumen, you know, and uh, and, and a, a spontaneity. I think there's a, a very strong business intuition that he has. Um, equally, I have it in my own way, you know, different kind of intuition or an instinct. So I think we support each other, other there and kind of take the lead on different things. I think when it comes to things like you know, meeting clients, reaching out, you know, obviously conversations like this help. Um, and we, we share that. And we have a team that we share that with now. You know, We have um, a head of business development. We have our creative director. Our whole team is part of that story. But we split that responsibility um, you know, where uh, you know, Simon uh, may focus on, on one aspect of the business, um, whether it's uh, yeah, uh, recruiting the team for a period of time, or it's a focus on uh, business. Uh, but we share that, and we, we kind of share those those and overlap those responsibilities with the team. The, there's there's another aspect actually, which is that we have another another business called Dixon Baxi Evans uh, with a, a third chap, a very talented individual called Gareth Evans, and that's our film production company. 
So there is another split in our time uh, where Simon and Gareth also spend a lot of time uh, developing our feature films, which kind of is, is where we began, right? It's, it's our love of film. And, uh, you know, as a team, we co-wrote and directed, uh, Simon directed our first feature film, Tiger Raid, uh, three years ago, which premiered at Tribeca Film Festival. And we're just coming to the end of uh, developing our, our second feature film, um, a thriller set in China. So very different, but another creative outlet. And it's a long arc, so the timeline for that is, is so different. So in between that, uh, Simon comes back and, and, and is very much part of, of Dixon Maxi. And to be honest, I mean, to give you a picture of what it's like in the studio, we're all downstairs in this space together. Uh, Simon and I still sit side by side in the way that we did 20 years ago. So um, it's a very connected uh, relationship in that way. Oh, I love it. And it's, uh, it's very, it, it's, it's great to see that you've been together for 18 years and still speak very highly of each other and collaborate with each other and great partners. And I think, um, as you said, with marriages and with anything, it's, uh, it's very hard work to make partnerships work. And um, sure. you clearly found a way to, to make it work and through communications and partnerships and, and understanding uh, what each, each of you is good at. I think that's, uh, it's very lucky to have someone with you who, who is like that and running a company is, is, a, is a fun experience and definitely not an easy one. So definitely having someone by your side who, who, who you believe in and who trusts you, I think that's always great. Um, yeah, talking, that's important. Talking about hard things, uh, obviously you're a great company and you've done a lot of fantastic work we all admire. But I'm sure through these 18 years, there were days that were not that great. Do you remember any particular example of a day or a moment for you personally that was the hardest? And what was it? Can you describe what happened and how did you feel and what, how did you get out of that? Yeah, I think, um, look, in, in that time, uh, they, they, there are many moments of uh, self-doubt, right, where, where you're not sure. I guess, you know, I guess there are many moments when, you know, you're not quite sure um, what to do in a certain situation but yeah if i if i think back there was a project that we we're doing that was um large scale really important had a had a lot of pressure attached to it um in terms of eyeballs lots of kind of uh, c-suite stakeholders and um it was kind of a, a pivotal moment where a couple of things are happening we i guess being honest we weren't really enjoying doing the work it was a kind of relationship forged out of um, it's going to be great, but it, it, it was challenging. And, and we certainly don't mind a challenge. In fact, we hit them head on. But I guess it was a moment where the, the particular project was, I guess it had a, a lot of challenges and, and we weren't necessarily uh, seeing eye to eye uh, with, with, the, with the client on a particular aspect. And it just led us, uh, certainly me personally, to a moment where I guess I'd lost touch with my instincts. And that can happen, right? When you're, when you're um, dealing with a, a challenge or a problem, you can either overthink it, you can choke, you know, and, and forget everything that you know, however much experience you've got, and, and you go, okay, actually, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. 
And and then I guess the that's not a great feeling because you you're like well hang on a minute I'm sure I've done this before many times over, and there's got to be a way out, and and there always is but it it can be can be isolating because if you're running or leading or uh, you feel that you should have the answer, um, and I'm sure any creative at any level can feel this, you can feel like you're the the only person carrying that. And that's not a nice feeling, which is why we always talk about sharing the way, you know, it's got to be a team uh, exercise. And even now, you know, I certainly don't have the answers to, to all the challenges that, that we face creatively and, and otherwise. You know what, I guess what, how to solve that, get some rest, get some good rest. You know, sometimes you can just be running on empty. And the other thing is going back to instinct. I think oftentimes, you know, when the, the best work comes from within, and there is a flow that you can get, you know, when you're just on. Uh, and I think um, trusting instinct, trusting yourself, because they've come to, to you or, or your company for, for what you believe. Um, and I think all of those things uh, can shed light on a, on a difficult situation. Um, and I'm not kind of naming a particular project at a time because those things pop up really small, like on a Monday morning, you're like, what am I going to do? Versus a very big seismic, uh, moment in a in a pivotal global brand project, you know, and I think you have to always come back to, um, you know, kind of uh, instinct or, or even asking someone's uh, advice or help or, or perspective. And uh, do you remember when I suppose was like a, a, an example? How did you go about it? Because I can imagine that feeling of being lost. And uh, did you reach out to? Simon, did you reach out to your team yeah. or like what, what exactly did you do step okay. by step for someone who is going okay. to Okay, step by step, a, a step by a blow by blow. Okay, well, look, I'm lucky enough to have uh, Simon uh, to call. Uh, I think at this time he was actually uh, out of the country, so he couldn't really help hands on. Really, I, I think uh, the, the way I, I kind of figured it out was um, kind of three steps. One, come in take some time right so make a cup of tea don't talk to anyone uh, get pen and paper and and kind of jump out of the problem so you know we, we often talk about the wood for the trees right uh, so you come out to 30,000 feet and go what are we even doing you know why are we doing this and it gives you perspective so I would say the first thing is try and step away from the computer or step away from the problem and 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 give it perspective you know, the world's not going to end, you know, it's, um, you know, try and frame it and then figure out, go back to the brief, go back to the things that uh, are the anchors that got you to where you are. Reverse engineer it a bit. So that was one. The, the other piece was, um, you know, we had such a big team on it that actually I uh, narrowed the team down to me and a, another person. And we said, okay, you know, we're going to just figure this out. So actually we did it on a, on a, on a weekend. It was when studio was very busy. I'm not advocating, you know, a weekend work or whatever, but sometimes I find after six when everyone's gone or, um, you know, weekend when everything's quiet, it, the pressure's off in a weird way, right? Because you can just take time to step back. And I find that um, it can unlock a problem. And I think, you know, these problems a lot of the time are solved by um, relaxing, not necessarily sitting back and watching Netflix or whatever, although that can work. Um, but uh, just kind of giving yourself the liberty to try some stuff. 
right? And and I think that's how I've unlocked a lot of things is taking the pressure off the answer and trying some stuff, sketch some stuff, make some things, uh, write some stuff, you know, have a conversation with your boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, whatever, you know, friends. And um, that's kind of a, almost a step-by-step -step of how I, I get through anything, whether it's a, a really gnarly problem or, um, you know, a, a small thing. Uh, so hopefully that, that helps some and people out there. That, definitely a great answer. And I totally agree with you taking the pressure off and finding that for some people it's weekends, for me definitely nights when I feel like no one will call me right now or send me an urgent email because everyone is asleep. <laughs> so yeah. working at the time when you just have space to think, I think it's, it's, it's incredible. And definitely yeah, you've got also to find your own advocating... space. <laughs> yeah, but I think for everyone it's different. Some, I, I know people who love waking up at 5 a.m., I'm not definitely one of them, um, yeah. but uh, I, I feel like it's good to know your own habits and where does your brain work the best. Uh, we have some chance. questions from the audience. Let me ask sure. some of them. How much autonomy uh, do clients allow you? Have you earned your stripes to explore your ideas or restrict it? The clients come to us for uh, doing transformative work. So uh, our... So for us, we, we, we find ourselves in a position where they give us a, a, a lot of space, okay? They, they want us to stretch them in all directions. And, and to be honest, actually, we start with uh, understanding them, immersing ourselves in their world. And it, it very much starts with insight gathering and building a strategy that is very um, relevant and, and, and remarkable for, for them and their audience. So by doing that, you, we're not just leaping into design, we're kind of building the evidence and the platform where they buy into a story. So that when it comes to the, the creative, the expression of that, we've got some anchors down. And then you have to go and find what that feels like as an experience on everything. And, and, and by doing that, clients, of course, you know, they allow us to say, well, what might this look like now? There might be things um, that we've collectively decided that we want to bring with us. So I use AC Milan as an example. We didn't change the crest because we felt that it had 120 years of meaning for the fans, but we changed everything around it and gave it a new story. Um, and, uh, you know, when we're starting from a blank sheet of paper, you know, we've still got that strategy or that story to build from. And uh, clients are, yeah, you know, they're looking for uh, something new and distinct, right? And, and personally for us, we, we really desperately try and avoid the sea of sameness. You know, we just don't want to make work um, that, that, that kind of is, is out there, if, if we can, you know? Brilliant. Great answer. We have one more question. What is the one pitch you've lost, but you have loved one, and that loved to have one and would have done a better job? That's a tough one, because I, I guess... You know, those, to be honest, actually, we really are lucky enough that we don't, don't pitch that, that much. You know, we, we, a lot of our work is through recommendation uh, and uh, we find ourselves in a position of being on a, if we, if we do uh, find ourselves in that on a very, very short list. And um, you know, more and more, the, the a pitch is actually a chemistry meeting and a proposal. Um, and so on. So I guess in answer to that, you know, sure, uh, 
name I don't want to name any any projects uh, in particular for obvious reasons, but I would say that the ones that we win are the ones we were supposed to win, okay? Because we did. Now it sounds kind of like I'm dodging the question, but the thing is, we did the the, the best job we could. I think we try and go into every kind of conversation with a client at 100%. But chemistry, it wasn't quite right, you know. Um, uh, it, it, maybe the fit wasn't right. And I think, you know, whichever agency wins it, and certainly, you know, we're lucky enough to sit alongside some fantastic agencies. You say to any client, you know, any of these companies could do a, a brilliant job. It's just that, you know, we have to stand out for the right reasons and they have to choose us for the right reasons, you know. And as I said, it's, it's that brave transformation. And, and, and I, I guarantee you, we've lost... Um, if, if we haven't got something, it's maybe that we've been too bold or the transformation has been too too much. And we have to kind of find that. Um, but yeah, you know, of course, there's a sting when you when you may not get something that you've really worked for. Um, but, you know, the time wasn't right. And I've got to say, you know, we if we haven't got something a few years later, they've come back or we've done something and, and you find yourself Life is long, careers are long, uh, you know, stay friends with everyone, uh, no hard feelings, and, and, and uh, it will always come back to you. Makes sense. I, we unfortunately running out of time, so I wanted to ask you very last question, uh, which is, if you could go back five years ago and give yourself an advice that would save you a lot of time, energy, money, whatever that is, uh, what would you tell yourself? I would... Uh, tell myself oh god that's a good one i would say i don't know I've, I've enjoyed the whole whole journey i would say um maybe make trust your instincts more you know just trust the instincts and 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 make those decisions not with more belief but you know i, I would say that you know because it all works out i think as i said you know that the the advantage of having uh, a fairly long career is that you can look back and you see all those moments that you've really stressed about, important. They're all important at the time, but they're all driven by um, trusting your instincts. And I'd say another piece of advice is, it's just focus on, on people and team. You know, I think the people that we have make our company and they're the most important thing. And if you create the, the right space and, and really focus on their lives and, and how they um, feel and add to the story, uh, that that's of real value. And I think that's probably the, one of the biggest things uh, that we've learned and focused on is, is how to coach and, and try and build that. And it's an ongoing, uh, ongoing journey, but I think that, that would be, thinking about it, one of the, the key things. Amazing. Thank you so much, Apurva. I wish we could have another hour to talk about all things sure. people and culture and all the great things that you're mentioning right now. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Thank you so much for answering all the questions so honestly. And thanks for everyone for asking the questions and joining this conversation. And if you're not following Dixon Baxi yet on Instagram, do this now because they have amazing work. As well as if you want more conversations with brilliant people like Apurva, then follow Future London Academy. We will be back soon with more interviews. Thanks again. Amazing. Look, thanks so much. Uh, really appreciate the time. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, and it was awesome. Thanks uh, for very uh, open uh, and insightful questions. Until next time. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. 
If you want to join one of these interviews in the future and ask your questions, follow us on Instagram. We are at Future London Academy. We are doing Instagram live chats weekly with some of the most inspiring people in the industry. So prepare your questions and see you there. If you want to learn from these people about how they work with clients and approach projects in more depth, join one of our courses at Future London Academy, taught by the best of the best in the world of design and innovation. And if you're ever in London, come in for a coffee. We love meeting new people. Thanks again, and until next time.